This podcast covers all things health, your body, your brain, and your well-being. Each week, we'll be joined by doctors, as well as the occasional guest, to talk about the health topics that mean the most to you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So gene-based therapy is an approach where people essentially engineer a gene which they then inject into the brain and that gene will then infect cells in the area of the brain where it's been injected. And in Parkinson's disease, this has taken one of two routes, generally speaking. The first is to inject a gene which codes for a growth factor for dopamine cells and dopamine fibers, if you like, a sort of dopamine nerve cell fertilizer. And the second approach has been to inject a gene which contains the enzymes which allow you to make dopamine from its sort of basic ingredients. So that's a sort of recipe for making dopamine and you inject that. So that will get taken up into cells and those cells can now produce dopamine. So these are the two main approaches people have taken with gene therapy. Fertilizer to make the dopamine cells in the brain grow and survive better or a gene therapy to convert non-dopamine cells into dopamine-producing cells. Is dopamine the only neurotransmitter that people are focusing on in Parkinson's disease in terms of gene therapy? I mean, it's the main one. People have tried others. So there was a gene therapy trial done a number of uh, years ago where they tried to convert a group of cells in a structure in the brain called the subthalamic nucleus and stop them being excitable cells, so producing positive signals into negative cells by trying to change the transmitter which were contained within those nerve cells. So that was a different approach, if you like. It was a sort of gene therapy equivalent of deep brain stimulation. 
I mean, the results were interesting, and you know, it's never clear whether there was some effect with it, as is often the case in these early experimental trials. But that's the only other trial I know of which has sought to look at a different transmitter to dopamine. Here is a quick word from our sponsor. We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least. Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, Check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast, for that real life on the go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy, who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show. Was this the ones focusing on glutamic acid decarboxylase? That's it. So that was the GAD trial, yeah. How will genes be introduced into the brain? If you like, it's the same as cells. At the moment, all of these therapies, if you want to get things into the brain, you have to directly inject it into the brain. So this is one of the disadvantages of gene-based therapies as they stand at the moment, which also applies to cell therapies and obviously is true of deep brain stimulation. So genes essentially have to be injected into the site where you want them to work. So you have to localize the area in the brain and then the surgeon has to inject them into that part of the brain. And obviously that's an area which people worry about a lot because it's neurosurgery. In the world of neurosurgery, it's a relatively simple operation because they're trying to hit a relatively big target. And every day in neurosurgery, they're obviously having to take little samples away from abnormalities that are found on brain scans such as tumours. So biopsy is something very routine in neurosurgery. This, if you like, is the opposite. It's just infusing something in an area where they think it's work optimally. Are there also thoughts of temporarily opening the blood-brain barrier and giving the gene therapy more peripherally and letting it cross the blood-brain barrier? Yeah, so people have thought about that. So it's a very good question. And obviously, if you could give something systemically, inject something into the bloodstream and then open up the blood-brain barrier, which obviously is a barrier which prevents things normally getting from the blood into the brain at the sites where you want it, then that might be a clever way of doing it. I mean, people have thought about doing this. So people have used various different techniques, such as ultrasound, to try and open up the barrier. I think at the moment that's still very much in its infancy. I think the question will be the extent to which you can open up the blood-brain barrier for long enough to allow it to get in. Secondly, if it gets across the blood-brain barrier at that site, how far does it diffuse across the bit of the brain you want it to get to? And thirdly, if you give something systemically, obviously you want it to have its effect in the brain, but it is now being given systemically, so you'd have to work out where else does it go in the body and is it causing any problems anywhere else? Would this sort of therapy mainly address motor symptoms or other symptoms as well? 
So the gene therapy approach, if you like, is very similar to the dopamine cell therapy approach. It's all based and predicated on the same principle, which is you're trying to rescue the dopaminergic system outside the GAD trial we mentioned earlier. So fundamentally, it is targeting dopa-responsive elements of Parkinson's disease, which are predominantly motor. There are some cognitive problems, so there are some thinking problems which relate to abnormalities of dopamine within the basal ganglia, the structures deep within the brain compared to the surface of the brain, the cortex. So restoring dopamine in the striatum where it's lost in Parkinson's will predominantly help people's motor problems. There may be some cognitive benefits from it, but it will be very much more obvious in the sort of stiffness and rigidity and slowness of movement which characterizes Parkinson's disease. These therapies at the moment are not disease modifying. You could say if you put in a fertilizer for dopamine cells, you're slowing down the loss of those cells, which in some ways is disease modifying, but it's very unlikely you would actually be able to undo the disease process, which would eventually overwhelm any effect a fertilizer would have. Where do these sorts of trials or experiments stand, especially in relation to, say, cell-based therapy? They're pretty comparable at the moment. I mean, if one just quickly tracks back over the sort of history of these, I mean, cell-based therapies really began in the late 80s and were very dominant in the 1990s. And then they fell out of fashion because of some of the problems with side effects with these graft-induced dyskinesias as well as the lack of efficacy in what seemed to be more formal, bigger trials. And the early part of this century, gene therapy started to come back and has been much more in vogue in the last 10 or 15 years. Both gene therapies using a thing called nurturing to try and grow the dopamine cells, the growth factor approach, versus gene therapies around dopamine replacement with two companies in particular, uh, Voyager Therapeutics and Oxford Biomedica. They're still in the process of developing their therapies, so they're still ongoing in much the same way as cell therapies has now moved to a new phase where people are starting to use stem cell-based dopamine therapies, whereas in the past they've tended to use fetal dopamine cells. So I would say they're at a comparable stage at the moment in terms of they're both in trials at the moment. And it's an interesting question as to whether one will dominate over the other because then whilst they're taking different approaches, they're still fundamentally targeting the same aspect of Parkinson's, namely the loss of the dopamine fibers and the dopamine innovation in the brain. Here is a quick word from our sponsor. We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least. Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast, for that real life on the go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show.
looking ahead sometime without specifying a real time frame, what do you see for the future of both cell-based therapy and gene therapy? It's a very difficult question to answer because we're at a critical point because these therapies, I think, have to be shown to have a marked benefit, which hasn't been the case yet because the newer therapies have just not been in trials long enough. So I think the first thing is we have to show that these therapies really work and they work in a consistent, robust way. The problem with fetal dopamine cells was they were very inconsistent. So far, the problem with the gene therapy trials is they haven't produced a big enough signal to make them competitive. So I think we have to wait and see whether they're really going to be competitive with the therapies we have there at the moment in terms of the size of effect and consistency of benefit. I think linked to that will then be the question of cost because these are obviously not the cheapest therapies to make. So cost will become an issue as to whether these can be affordable in many places. Ultimately, though, if you say they are affordable and they produce an equivalent effect to that which you can see with the current treatments with deep brain stimulation and dopamine therapy, you can see them both competing for early stage disease. You could ultimately say, well, someone turns up with Parkinson's disease. We're pretty certain they've got it. We give them a test dose of dopamine. They respond very well to it. So we'll give you either a gene or a cell-based therapy. And if once we give you that in the early stage of the disease, you don't need to take the drugs. Eventually, you know, you will need something else. And the non-dopamine, non-motor aspects of the disease will become more prominent and we'll need to treat those. But that would be the sort of vision I would see that these in theory could replace everything we do in Parkinson's at the moment, because everything we do in Parkinson's at the moment fundamentally is around replacing dopamine with drugs. What are some watchwords or cautions for people considering a gene or cell-based trial or something marketed actually as a therapy today? So I think people need to be a bit cautious of this because I think genes are probably safer because, you know, in order to make a gene-based therapy, that requires quite a lot of investment. It's nearly always attached to a you know very reputable company who's making it, and they will be the subject of formal trials. So I think it would be very hard to get into a gene therapy trial, which wasn't through some route, which was, you know, fully justified, fully funded, and easy to verify as being the right thing to do if you were interested in being involved with it. Cell-based trials, I think there is this whole area of stem cell tourism where clinics and institutions around the globe offer unproven therapies with often patient testimonies saying how well it works with cells which are poorly defined and can be used for a whole host of conditions of which Parkinson's disease is just one. For those, I would be very wary, especially if you're having to pay because there's no reason you should pay for an experimental therapy. There are also, of course, a whole raft of other therapies outside cells and genes which are being advertised as curative or disease-modifying in Parkinson's disease. But as of today, there are no proven disease-modifying therapies in Parkinson's. That's not to say these therapies couldn't have a benefit and may be useful and may be disease-modifying. That's just unproven. So I think anyone who makes claims that they have a cure for this condition or a therapy that has proven efficacy in slowing down the disease I think you need to view that with great caution. I suppose it's also worth noting that nothing is really approved at this point, so everything is experimental. It is. It is. And, you know, and I think people always worry about the fact that they're missing out on things and that, you know, are these therapies being proven somewhere else and we just haven't seen them? But you're absolutely right. I mean, 
a lot of what we've been talking about is very much in the experimental phase and all good trials will tell us something about how we proceed. Most trials fail in their first attempt. So one of the most important things is to learn as we go along and hopefully with time, we will learn things from these therapies which we can incorporate our next trials and we will ultimately arrive at something which will be proven and will be licensed to work in the way that we hope. Very good. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.